Hello. Welcome to the Valley View Podcast, episode 88. My name's Tyler, and I'm here with Matt. And for the listeners, I, I'm going to sound like I had a runny nose for like a month of podcast. You still have a cold? I mean, not really, but I sound like I do. Mm-hmm. No, it, this was actually... So, okay, soapbox for Tyler. This was actually such a problem during COVID, because in the winter in Minnesota, where I live, I just always have a running nose. Which I like, I've just for my whole life, like I've always like, I've always had a stuffy nose through most of the winter, Mm -hmm. not because I'm sick, but just just whatever. But during COVID that became such like a a nervy thing that like my nose was runny and I was like, oh shoot, I have to like hide my nose being runny now. Do you think our listeners would be okay with just talking about your running nose like all 30 minutes? Um, Probably not. Although (laughs) we were talking before this about how... (laughs) We didn't, this is like our second of three podcasts we're recording in like five days. Mm-hmm. And the other one, I think we'll have a lot to talk about because we'll be like in Chicago, you know, like we can just talk about where we are. Well, yeah, it'll be a remote. Yeah. 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 Okay. But like this one, we were like, huh, we just recorded yesterday. We got to record today. Yeah. What are we going to talk about? Thankfully, we had some listeners uh, step up. We got some listener questions to get to. Well, some like, like hypothetical listeners. This is a, uh, yeah, not, not, these are, we wish they were real people, but they're just people that we wish were real. <laughs> Um, is this episode 88? This is 88. Okay. Is it sponsored by something with eights in it? No, but, uh, it is sponsored by Doug's Kennel in Shakopee. Doug's Kennel? Yeah. Isn't that great? <laughs> That's a good name. I think it's, I think it's the first time we've had a, a, uh, a kennel as a, a sponsor. So thank you, uh, Doug and everyone at Doug's Kennel offering boarding services for your household pets on first Avenue in Shakopee since 1972. We board all varieties of dogs, most varieties of cats, as well as rodents, birds, and reptiles. Each of our guests receives one-on-one attention and a free ribbon or barrette. Barrette? Uh, no, I think it's a barrette, like a, a hair clip. Oh. You know? Yeah, yeah. Okay, a barrette. Are those spelled the same? No, I think beret has one T and more E's. A barrette has two T's. Uh, <laughs> I'm actually not sure. According to the copy in front of me, it does have two T's and two R's. I think they're spelled the same. It definitely does not have two R's and two T's. Well, Doug, Doug's kennel spelled it that way. We're glad to administer medications and shots. We walk your pet for a small fee and no pet is put into an isolated area. <laughs> Ever. Now offering obedience classes and deep discounts for seniors and vets. Doug's Kennel and Shakopee, a little further to drive, but keeping Fido alive. Oh, I think. Wow, that's crazy. Okay, so beret is spelled how I thought it was spelled. B-E-R-E-T. We should we got to do another uh, spelling bee sometime. We haven't done one of those in a while. But beret is, I think you're right. It's B-A-R-R-E-T-T. Is that how you had it spelled? Say it again. B-A-R-R-E-T-T. Yeah. I mean, yes, that's how Doug's Kennel had that's it That's crazy. Out. I would have gotten that so wrong. I thought it was like B-E-R-E-T, just like beret. So you were picturing each pet receiving a beret. Like a green beret, yeah. <laughs> just to be just to be clear. Matt, okay. it's not this is not the first ad of yours that we've listened to. Like sometimes things are quirky. <laughs> <laughs> we can give every pet a free beret. That would be great. Thanks, Doug's Kennel. Everybody over at Doug's, uh, I hope you're having a great day. Thank you for your sponsorship. We really appreciate that. We've got um, we've got listener questions to get to. We've got I think this is a good 
a good slate of listener questions. It's going to challenge <laughs> us. It's going to challenge us quite a bit. How long did it take you to come up with these? Like three minutes to, uh, to find prospective listeners? I will keep that to myself. <laughs> okay. All I know is I said, what are we going to talk about today? And you said, I don't know, maybe listener questions. And then I walked in less than five minutes later and you said, I got some really good questions for today. <laughs> <laughs> And then we've got uh, Judges to get to, right? Mm-hmm. Which I, I mean, I don't know if it's one of my favorite books, but it's really interesting. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah, it's I really mean, even interesting the book. Na- even the name itself. Yeah. Um, judges. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's get to listening questions. Um, we've got one, two, three, four, five. We've got five of them to roll through here. You said we had like three. Well, we... Dude, they're just rolling in. They're rolling in. <laughs> This one, uh, this one's from Brandon and Chan. So Brandon and Chan wants to know um, a neighbor that borrowed my lawnmower in the fall. Oh, sorry, a neighbor borrowed my lawnmower in the fall and still has it. I don't need it yet because it's winter, but I don't really want to wait longer to mention it to him. What should I do? And is this a text or a face-to-face conversation? Well, how, how often is Brandon seeing this person face to face? Well, I don't know. I would assume that it's a, it's a neighbor who borrowed his lawnmower. So probably during the winter, he has to go out of his way to see him face to face. He'd probably have to like go ring his doorbell. Oh, and it's be a like, neighbor. hey, you still have my lawnmower? Oh, I would probably text in that case. You text. Or call. Mm-hmm. I mean. <laughs> Are you going to? But it's. Call is it's, weird. It's, call it's is like weird. it's February. It's early February. There's like nine feet of snow on the ground is it okay well, to text your neighbor and say hey can i get my lawnmower no back? no dude for, no, no. yes absolutely it is no i agree with him completely i agree with fake brandon completely that he should try to get it back before the snow goes away because like right now like the lawnmower is just taking up space in his neighbor's garage in the spring that that lawnmower becomes an asset again and maybe the neighbor is not going to be as willing to give it up i think okay i think the ideal is that you see him face to face or you're talking him to him on the phone for another reason and you're able to casually slip in, hey, can I get my lawnmower back? <laughs> but if he doesn't think that that's realistically going to happen, I think he should just text me and be like, hey, can I get my lawnmower back? And you can make some excuse if you want. You could be like, I like, I realize that I still don't have it. You know, like. Or like maybe I do some, I try to do service on it in the winter. Yeah. Like sharpen the blades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spark plugs. Like- or like, hey, I just forgot to ask until now. Like it, that's, it's like, there's lots of little excuses you could make to get it back. Like, I just don't think that the fact that it's winter should stop you from getting your lawnmower back. Cause I think it's only going to get harder to get back in the spring and summer. Really? Oh, absolutely. Like I said, it's an asset then. Okay. But see, I could see. And I'm sorry. And it can lead to, there's a higher chance of something bad happening to it. Because even if the dude is just like, oh, it's here. So I'm just going to use it until I give it back. What if he breaks it? Like, what if he hits a tree? Yeah. I mean, at some point, doesn't the neighbor remember, like, this is not mine? <laughs> well, it depends on the morality of the neighbor. This is a different discussion now. I'm, we're talking about how Brandon, what Brandon should do in this situation. Okay. I myself, Brandon, just because of who I am, would rather wait till, like, April, till it looks like you're going to need to mow the lawn and be like, hey, um, thought I'd try to get out and mow the lawn this week. Mind if I run run over and grab my mower? <clears throat> I mean, the urgency of that feels like, hey, it's okay, it's okay to bring it up again. Yeah, like no, in early fine. February, uh, it, it wouldn't stop me. It wouldn't stop you. Okay. If if I felt like I needed it, because maybe like the lack of urgency to mow your lawn makes you feel less of less urgency to get it back. Yeah. Brandon yeah. seemed like he was pretty urgent to get it back. Well, that's true. He's asking about it. Yeah, that's so what I'm saying. He's got two points of view to consider now. And, yeah. Uh, so if he's urgent, I would say just go for it. Okay. All right. Cool. Thanks, Brandon. Um, 
The next one comes from Wendy in Crystal. Oh. My kids do not sing at church. Should I encourage them to? Wow. I sure don't know. What a question. I really don't know. My kids don't sing at church. Should I encourage them to? Huh. This is all you, boss. (laughs) Just because I have kids and you don't? Just because I don't know the answer. I'm a youth pastor. Like, I should know the answer to this, and I don't. And you don't? No. Well, is it that you have no idea or you can see two viewpoints and you're not which one sure which one you should choose i just don't really have any idea okay i know that um i know that uh living out your faith through action is important and good mm-hmm. and good for you um and i also know that being forced to do things against your will mm-hmm. typically does not lead to formation it just leads to resentment i think i am gonna agree with tyler here wendy i think he's right like um i didn't answer I, anything well with the the point of view what you were presenting about how being forced into something you you were very articulate with that you said it very well doesn't lead to formation i can't remember how you said it but basically like if you force your child to do something it's not always the it's not always going to form them in the way that you would like it to yeah <laughs> it's like yeah if you encourage them to sing and they start singing just out of guilt is that really a positive thing? Right. Um, seems like it's something you want to come from the heart. I think I'd be more inclined, instead of encouraging them, like I'd be more inclined to pray for them. Huh. That, um, you know, that God would be so active in their heart that they would want to sing. Yeah. Uh, this lead, There's an adjacent discussion to be had here too, though, that like, I think, I think you can, that we can go too far. I don't have kids, but I think that, a person could go too far in down this trail mm-hmm. to just not feeling like they can tell their kids to do anything. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. part of your job as a parent yeah. is to like form your kids <clears throat> or, yeah. you know, like it, it ultimately is God, but like mm-hmm. you have a role as well. Mm-hmm. So like singing, I think I'm on board with, like, I don't, I don't force my, the kids to sing at youth group if they don't want to, mm-hmm. but what about like going to church or yeah. going to youth group? Yeah. Like, do you think that's, a similar answer or do you think it's different i think it's similar yeah so um, if you so if your kids just really were like i don't want to go to church you don't think it would be right for you to say you should go i think there's an age in there that i start thinking um that, that my opinion would change so mm-hmm. something like this these are not hard numbers i'm just throwing this out as an example i could see yes forcing everyone to go to church even if it's against their will up to age like 16 say okay but then starting to let your kids make their own decision when they turn like 17 18 um i think could be a good idea like if your 17 year old is dead set against and doesn't want to i'm not sure it's helpful to make them go um i don't think that's that's the kind of formation that's going to lead to to good results in Mm -hmm. my opinion but you parents will parents will differ on that question but you think that forcing an eight-year-old could lead to good formation. Yeah, I mean, an eight-year-old pr- probably shouldn't be staying home by themselves all Sunday morning and just goofing around, just chilling. <laughs> yeah. What about like thirteen or fourteen? Uh, yeah, I would, I would be inclined to say thirteen and fourteen. You, you know, still needs to come. I think once you get to like sixteen, then I, I would start. You know, so that's the driver's license. I was going to ask that. Does that have to do with the the increase in freedom and maturity that comes with getting a license? Maybe. 
maybe it just kind of feels right to me for some reason. You know, okay. your first job usually happens around 16, driver's license, you know, about halfway through high school. You're developing into a, a much more independent person. Okay. And um, I, that's how that's how I feel today about it. Interesting. Yeah. It's a really good question, Wendy. I would say maybe maybe don't encourage them, but pray for them. Well, I mean, encourage them, but don't like, don't make them feel like you're forcing them. Yeah. You know, I would say like, if, if your child is not standing, like if everyone's standing and they're just sitting because they're just being lazy or whatever, I think it's okay to encourage them to stand just out of respect. Just, yeah. Yeah. Cause they're, I mean, at, that is like, I don't know, like that is a spiritual thing, but it's also just like a, like a respect and like social mm-hmm. awareness, like societal yeah that's like that's like forming them somewhat not even in a christian way just in like being a productive societal member kind of way i agree because sometimes sometimes you need to do things because it's it's what is being done you know yeah that's another thing that could go too far you can't always just do what everybody else is doing true but there are times when you have to say like okay this is like this is a social norm that it's probably best if i respect exactly yeah good point okay thanks wendy um the next question uh dan and clear lake that I assume that's Clear Lake, Iowa. Near where my mom is from. <clears throat> Dan in Clear Lake wants to know. Oh, sorry, mom. He, he asked, do you know if Culver's takes expired coupons? I think they do. In my experience, they will take an expired coupon. I would assume that, any... I would just would assume that they didn't because they're expired. But if they've taken them for you, then uh-huh. maybe they didn't look very carefully. <laughs> I think it's happened multiple times that we've had an expired coupon and they just say, yeah, we'll take it. Yeah, sure. Whatever. I've, I really wonder why Dan didn't just get in touch with Culver's. I, I don't mean, know why really... Dan just didn't try. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. I, I mean, I'm glad he contacted the VVP, but um, it seems like a call to Culver's. Hey, fake listeners <laughs> trust us more than the actual restaurants. That's nice of them. Uh, thanks, Dan. Uh, hit us up with whatever else uh, we can help you with, Dan. Um, okay. Um, Paul in Mound. Paul in Mound says... Um, when we travel as a family, I typically wake up early at the hotel and my wife and children usually sleep in. Is it inconsiderate of me to go down to the lobby and have breakfast without them? My family is divided on this question. Can you help? Is your In real life, is your family divided on this question? My family? No. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what does your family think? Uh about this situation yeah like, this situation doesn't come up a lot in our family because usually if i'm up early i'm not the only one. Oh, so you just go down and have breakfast with whoever's awake yeah our, our kind of our mo is that whoever gets up is free to go down and have breakfast as soon as they want to and oh. everyone else just kind of trickles down okay oh yeah so you're not divided yeah it's just like get breakfast when you want yeah yeah and apparently in paul paul's family this has become an issue oh i see so i don't know who you're gonna side with like is it okay for paul to go down if if he's up at six thirty and get his own breakfast, Matt, yeah, you, is that rude? Matt, what do you think I'm going to say? What, like, I just I want <laughs> to know. Think you're gonna what, say? Yeah, what do you think my perspective is? I think you're going to let Paul go eat as much as he wants, whenever he wants. Absolutely, <laughs> I do. This podcast, this podcast, make me re- makes me realize how much of an individualist I am. That <laughs> like, bro, what? Oh no, like my family has no wake yet. No, you don't wait for them. Honestly, Paul, if this is a problem, take up disc golfing. Go disc golf in the morning before your parents wake up or your kids and wife wake up. And then when your kids and wife wake up, come back from disc golfing and have breakfast with them. Solves the problem. That's what I do. I even think it's okay to have breakfast twice. Yeah, that's also true. You know? Which also is in line with yeah. Tyler Magnuson. Because <laughs> then his family can't fault him for being like rude. Yeah. I mean, he's eating with them. Oh yeah, because I can, I can see the take that like, 
we all went down to have breakfast as a family and you stayed in the room and watched TV. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, that's not, that's probably, there's probably something wrong with that. But, like, to say you need to sit in the room, like, you need to sit up in bed hungry waiting for us to wake up, that's that's unfair. Like, that. that's, like, not, I, that doesn't make sense. I don't, I don't think so either. I yeah. think that'd be horrible. But, yeah, no, so I think <clears throat> eat breakfast whenever you want. But, like, if your whole family is having breakfast, maybe you could sit with them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I can even see, like, oh, I'm going to shower. That's why I'm not there. That's, but don't just, like, sit in the room and watch TV while your family's all having breakfast together. It's a good good word, Tyler. Um, thanks, Paul. Um, okay, last listener question comes from Janie in Hayward, Hayward, Wisconsin. Janie says, hey, guys, appreciate the recent episode where you talked about table etiquette. Ooh, this is the third I, podcast this is being brought up. Yeah, so she must mean the uh, where we talked about asking, is it okay to ask for ranch or ketchup or whatever? And then last week where we continued that discussion. <laughs> yeah. So she says, I've got a little twist on this conversation for you. My father-in-law is Italian and always carry, always carries garlic powder with him and frequently uses it at our house to season the food we serve even before he's tried it. Nothing wrong with that. Okay. This feels rude to me. Nope. Is it okay to carry around and use your own spices and condiments? Yes, absolutely. Really? I also hate the vibe that like you can't salt your soup before you taste it. I just really disagree with that viewpoint. All right. Have you ever prepared like a, a real meal for other people? No. Okay. So that might influence this as well. Maybe. Well, no, I have, but not not recently. Okay. So I could see like if uh, someone has prepared a real meal for people, a nice, a really nice dinner and, you know, done the right seasoning according to the recipe and sets it down on the table. And if the first thing that um, Clyde does is pulls out his garlic out of his breast pocket and, st- and rips open a packet and starts dumping it on there, I can see where that rubs me the wrong way. I can't. Especially, okay. I, I, Oh, this is because he's communicating there's something inadequate about what's in front of me right now it okay. can be improved upon and i'm gonna improve upon it even before i've tried it i already know that now wrong. now i'm making an assumption so okay. let me try to let's remove this assumption if clyde takes a bite and then puts garlic powder on it is that rude <laughs> yeah maybe that's worse so exactly but the the implication in our society is if you've tried it, then you can put something on it. Yeah, that's that's yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. That's completely inconsistent. Like, if if the sentiment, if the frustrating thing is there's something wrong with this thing in front of me, so I need to put something on it, you should be more offended if they try it and then put something on it. Yeah. That, like, either either you're okay with them editing your food or you're not. It has nothing to do with if they tried it or not. It's fine if she thinks it's rude that you salt the food or season the food or whatever. Uh-huh. Like, that that's fine. Like, well, I don't think it's fine, but, like, that's mm-hmm. consistent at least. Mm-hmm. But don't say... You can't salt this or put anything on it before you've tried it, but after you've tried it, then you can, and it's okay. Because you're saying the person is saying the same thing. Hmm. Is the is the angle okay? This is, is yeah, actually I just that's a good point. This is just occurring to me. Okay, is the angle that like it it shows like a lack of trust? Uh, like you don't trust that I made something good, so you have to put this on it before you'll even put it in your mouth. Is that is that the vibe? Maybe, but my suspicion would be it's just that Clyde okay. really likes the garlic flavor no so that anything he has he wants it to have that taste doesn't matter how good it is what it is whatever like he's totally going for that nobody's gonna stop yes no i feel the same way but but Mm -hmm. is the reason that it's considered rude Mm -hmm. that they feel like you like i feel like you don't trust the food that i made 
Uh, I think it's just like a kind of a slap in the face. Like what you, you prepared, like you, you're saying, yeah, you did your best here, but I already know that it's, it's, um, it's inadequate. Like it needs this, it needs this. It didn't have it. You have fallen short of what you should have done. But, but that doesn't, that that's fine. If you feel like that the whole time, mm-hmm. but as soon as you say that once something has changed, you then can put stuff on it then I I really, really off the train. Well, how about this? Like it's 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 widely accepted that it's okay to salt and pepper your food to taste. Right. Right. It's on every table. That, yeah. That's just gonna happen. But when it's something like uh like garlic, like that's not a usual that's not a usual thing to carry around and add. But it's so, because the dude likes garlic. Yeah. Like that's not so should we all just be okay with this guy this nice guy enjoying his garlic. Do we just need to be okay? Okay, with that? Here, but here's why I'm heated is because I like spice. Like mm-hmm. I want to put sriracha and buffalo sauce on every and the stuff that you have. Like I want to put that on everything that I eat. So like, why is it considered rude? First of all, I I think it's wild to consider it rude for me to make my food hotter in general. Mm-hmm. But specifically, I think it's really weird to be like, I don't want you to put hot food on this, but now you've tried it, so now you can put something hot on it. Like, I know that I want it to be spicier. So why would I not just spice it before I have it? Well, let me ask you this. Is there ever a time for you to just pull back and say, yeah, I really like sriracha and really hot stuff. But, you know, I'm in someone else's house. Like, they made this food. I'm just going to I'm just going to roll with it here. And not maybe it won't be my favorite. But in, in order to not communicate um, anything negative to them, I'm just going to eat without my sriracha. Is there a place for that or is that just hogwash? I'm curious what that place would be. Uh-huh. Like, like, uh, like, okay, if I'm, if I, yes, there is a place for it. If I'm going into an environment where I understand that the person is very sensitive about their food, mm. like they're at a high risk of being offended if I try to do anything with their food, and I know that before I go there. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is the place for that. Okay. However, my default is not to assume I'm in that place. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? Like, I was going to suggest that maybe your default should be like, until I know who the people are, I'm going to assume it could be offensive. And so until I know that I won't offend them, I'll just kind of hold off. No, I th- I don't, I don't agree with that. Okay. I think that that, I think that that is um, tiptoeing more than I think is necessary. Sure. I think my, I think my default is that it's okay for me to try to enjoy my food. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I, I don't think that that's in, I don't think that that's a uh, too much of an ask yeah. to, to want to go somewhere. I, it, and it really does like it is like an offshoot of the of the table of the asking for something that's not their discussion mm-hmm. but like it's a great i mean it's a great question Janie. i mean i just i just don't think i just don't think it's rude to try to enjoy your food mm-hmm. unless unless you're being rude about it right right and i and i tend to favor the opposite opinion that yeah. um it's it's better to show deference to the host that I'm going to enjoy what you have provided and communicate to you that it was very good, adequate, all those things without me doctoring it up to my taste. What if you don't think so, it is though? I'm going to try to project that it is. Even yeah. If it's not that. So that's actually the biggest difference between us. Like we're different in how we respond to the situation, right. but we're specifically different because we just like at our core, you like you will, I don't, I don't want to say lie, but you will lie for the sake of, helping the host to feel good about themselves. I think, I think the best way to say this is I'm bent on honoring the host and Tyler's bent on enjoying his food. Is that fair? 
No, because that makes you look like you're in, that paints you in such a more positive light than me. <laughs> because, no, no, no. Here's the way that I would say it. You, you are bent on making sure that the host is comfortable. Uh-huh. I am bent on, like, communicating my desires honestly. Like, being authentic about what I'm, what I'm seeking. Okay. That's it. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll go with that. I still think that paints you in a slightly better light. And you probably are just, you know, y- your perspective on this is the, like, nobler perspective. But I think that my perspective is right. <laughs> Jamie, thanks for getting us talking about that. I feel like this is some quality. How, how much time do we have left? We have five and a half minutes. Five, we can talk about judges five and a half talk minutes. Talk about judges. Um, listener, thank you, listeners. Um, Tyler. Someday okay. maybe you'll be real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. I like getting invited back. I guess that's true. Um, all right. What comes to mind? If I don't get invited back because I put spice on my food. I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna be losing sleep over that one. <laughs> it's like today I was at a youth pastor meeting, and one of the youth pastors said I got fired from a job once because my boss said that I cared more about my kids or too much about my kids and not enough about the youth group kids. That's a totally respectful reason to get fired. If someday I get fired from this job because I care too much about my kids, I will happily leave and go somewhere else. Right. Right. Like. Right. 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 Exactly. No. If yeah. If I get if I get okay. kicked out because I politely ask if they had hot sauce and they hated me forever, I'm not losing sleep over that. <laughs> Anyways, um. I like Judges because it is a really good microcosm of the Old Testament as a whole. Ooh, okay. Say more about that. Okay. In the book of Judges, you see Israel Mm -hmm. continuously sinning and sinning and sinning, Mm -hmm. failing to honor God as king. Mm -hmm. Um, I I made like a spiraling motion downward with my hand because that's what the book does. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, it's a cycle. Israel will rebel against God and then... God will allow them to be enslaved or oppressed by a different people group. And then Israel will cry out to God and then God will deliver it or will send a judge who delivers them. That's why it's called judges. Um, And then as soon as Israel is free again, they will rebel against God again and then be enslaved again. And the cycle continues and continues. I think it's a microcosm of the old Testament because the, the entire old Testament story is painting the picture that human beings just never get it right. And left to their own devices, they will continuously rebel no matter how much grace God shows them. Mm-hmm. So I, I, when I talk through the Bible as a whole, I I usually specifically mention judges in that cycle because I think it's a really good picture mm-hmm. of what the Old Testament is showing you about humanity. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the point that Israel gets to at the end of judges. It's disgusting. Like, yeah. I mean, would you say that's like close to rock bottom like almost for the whole bible i mean or at least is a good parallel for where they were right before the exile where judah was it's got to be in the discussion right like um they're like cutting up body parts and sending them to the 12 tribes like it's like really really gross yeah where they get to yeah it's it's really really bad i mean i i don't remember I, i wish i could cite the reference for this but we read in the old testament at one point that um the abominations that Israel is committing are worse than the ones committed by the people they drove out. Like that their sin has actually become worse. I would guess that's in Ezekiel, but I would not say that with a whole lot of confidence. Yeah. I, I can't remember either. I was thinking maybe it was in one of the Kings. Oh, it, could well. be. oh it might be at the end of Kings. Yeah. 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 But. Yeah. Maybe so. But uh, so, I mean, the other thing we see in judges, I think is that God, and you you alluded to this that he is so patient with yeah. the people and keeps delivering like even after multiple rejections and he listens to their cry and raises up a deliverer for them again 
even knowing that they will once again fall back into this pattern. And yet he delivers. So even through this horrible, like, you could summarize it, I guess, this way, like, the character of God's people is revealed to be horrible, and God's character is revealed to be really patient and gracious, you know, right? Um, as an offset. Um, do you have a favorite deliverer? <clears throat> oh, Gideon, Samson. Um, That's a great. Oh, uh, yeah, no, but... it's it's actually easy. Ehud. Oh yeah, okay. tell us about him. E- well, Ehud is like was the classic camp story of my childhood. Um, he's a left-handed man who. I mean, being left-handed, I'll try to, <laughs> being left-handed back in that day was, like, seen as a negative thing, because, like, all of your army was all done based on you being right-handed, like, you're covering the person next to you with your shield, and if somebody's left-handed, it messes it up, so being left-handed was bad. You ever heard that the word sinister? I think sinister is, like, the, um, it's either Greek or Latin, but the word sinister really means like left-handed yeah and we, it's come down to us in english it's a lot of, really bad cut a lot of phone calls in this act in yeah. this uh, podcast and emily every time you guys can't hear it listeners but every time she yells i got it and then she runs across the room to get the phone um but no basically ehud even though he's left-handed god raises him up as a judge um to save israel from moab who's enslaved them um he goes to like stab like, like assassinate their king and when he goes in they don't like they ch- they only check one of his legs for where he hid his spear. They don't check his other leg because he's left like, oh, everybody's right-handed. You'd reach this way to grab your spear. So they only check the side that they would assume the spear is. Yeah. And he goes in and he kills the king and he saves Israel. And the king's really, really fat. It literally, the Bible says King Eglon was a very fat man. When he stabs him with the spear, the fat, it goes all the way, the spear goes all the way through him and the fat closes around the outside. He hits my favorite judge because that, that was like a camp story that I heard when I was young and then told. As I was older, that's a story that young boys are just going to remember. Oh yeah, you you get a kid, they have they put a pillow in their chest to be Eglon, like it's great. <laughs> you try to find the kid in the cabin who's left-handed. And could there be a more stark contrast or segue between judges and Ruth? Help me remember when we talk about Ruth next week. The question that I want, like I think I know, I, I I'm confident in my answer, but I want to hear what you say. Why is Ruth in the Bible? Mm. Let's talk about that next week. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks, Doug's Kennel. And uh, thank you, listeners. See you in Chicago. All right.